Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are listening to the next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of gold. So if you'll take a second, look at the plan. Well, you will see what I see. And that's money. Not our money. Oh, mama, I'm in fear for my life from the long Baby, where are you going? This gold business wrote me off years ago. But it's amazing how little gold dust can just change everything. Damn it, Kenny. Lawman is putting into my running and I'm so far from my home. Mike Akasha. What are we talking about? I had a dream. Right here. Indonesia. That's where we'll find the gold. Hangman is coming down from the valleys and I don't have very long. Wait! We found nothing and the workers are leaving. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Kenny, look. We got a gold mine. We got a gold mine. We got a gold mine. Okay, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Gold, and the story is as follows. Kenny Wells, a prospector desperate for a lucky break, teams up with a similarly eager geologist and sets off on an amazing journey to find gold in the uncharted jungle of Indonesia. Getting the gold was hard, but keeping it is even more difficult, sparking an adventure through the most powerful boardrooms of Wall Street. The film is starring Matthew McConaughey, Edgar Ramirez, Bryce Dallas Howard, Corey Stoll, Toby Kebbell, Craig T. Nelson, and Bruce Greenwood. It is directed by Stephen Gagan and written by Patrick Massett and John Zinman. Joining me for this review, I have Kristen Lopez. Hello, everybody. So, Kristen, what were your thoughts on Fool's Gold? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Gold. Um, I went into this purely because it has Edgar Ramirez in it. This is actually probably the better Edgar Ramirez movie that I've seen in the last year um, compared to something like Girl on a Train or Hands of Stone where he has very little to do in the latter or in the former and is uh, just in a crappy movie in the uh, other one. So this is probably the better one. Um, The influences on this movie make it seem like it came out a couple years too late because there are so many connections. This desperately wants to be American Hustle. This desperately wants to be Wolf of Wall Street. It desperately wants to be War Dogs. I saw shades of that in this movie. So it plays like it also ran. There's absolutely nothing new in the story. It's a rise and fall tale told very straightforwardly by a character who is a total dick, yet the movie wants us to inexplicably feel sorry for him. And I didn't. And the whole Matthew McConaughey transformation, he just looks like Christian Bale, again, in American Hustle. And the movie derives some sort of sick humor out of showing him naked all the time, which just became just really boring. Um, Honestly, there's a good movie in here. And it doesn't have Matthew McConaughey in it. It has Edgar Ramirez in it. His storyline is far more interesting. It could have been a far more ambiguous character. I think all the things they wanted us to feel about Matthew McConaughey, you feel for the other character because he kind of comes and goes, especially in the twist at the end. 
I wanted that movie, not just because he's gorgeous, but because that character is more interesting. And there are so many wasted actors in this movie. I don't know what they thought they were offering Bryce Dallas Howard being in this movie because she is horrifically wasted. The women in this movie are terribly drawn. Uh, Corey Stoll, I love him, and he is, again, serves no purpose. I liked seeing Toby Kebbell in a role that I didn't hate, but again, serves no purpose. This is the Matthew McConaughey show, and his character is just boring. That's ultimately what this is, a boring character transformation from an actor who thinks this was going to be an awards contender, and it didn't. <laughs> and what accent is Bruce Greenwood trying to do in this? Like, I was thinking, like, Swedish? Or German, maybe? <laughs> I have no idea, but that he's in so little of the movie that it's just a moot point. Yeah. Um, okay, let, let's, let me take a step back here. Stephen Gagan did a really good movie in 2005 called Syriana. Yes. Which, which, was, which was really good, got George Clooney his Oscar. I believe even his screenplay uh, was nominated for uh, an Oscar as well. So he's an Oscar nominee. And here he is now, 11 years later with this film. And he hasn't directed another film since then. And the feeling I got from this was just one of sheer rustiness. Haven't they been sitting on this script for a couple of years as well? Like, I thought they, I had read somewhere that they've been trying to make this movie for a long time and that actors had come and gone. It just never got off the ground till now, which I think yeah. might explain why it feels like it's about 15, 20 years too late. Yeah, I mean... This is a you were saying before that this is a very bland story. It's nothing that we haven't seen before. You're a hundred percent right on that. And the thing that tries to make up for it is Matthew McConaughey and his performance. He's trying so freaking hard to sell this movie and make it worth the price of admission. And I have to admit, there are times in this film where I thought Matthew McConaughey was quite good here. I, I thought it was a good performance. Not a great performance, but a good one. Um, you're you're definitely right, though, in the comparisons to Christian Bale in American Hustle. And also, stylistically, this film, in terms of its story, it, 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 I, I would actually argue that it's not trying to be American Hustle or The Wolf of Wall Street because those films had crackling screenplays right. with zip fire editing and a really really overall big sense of fun to them this film is a slog to it's get through it's a very straightforward there are no punches pulled which is why when there's a reveal about a character i was sitting there and there's actually a theory going around from a couple of critics that i've talked to about the end that said that the movie should have started at the end and then worked backwards because it would have given some ambiguity to whether a certain character even exists or is merely ah. a scapegoat created by Matthew McConaughey's character, which I said, that's why I say there is a good movie here and it's not Matthew McConaughey's at all. Yeah, no, I, that's that's totally, totally the truth here. And it's, it's really sad because I remember asking myself, why is this film being pushed off to January? Why is this not getting uh, a qualifying run for McConaughey based upon the trailers I saw? The trailers are more interesting than the film itself because the trailers actually have that typical rock-like soundtrack to um, – a uh, set against the images, and it moves along with that kind of energy and pace that I was talking about before. I was watching this film constantly waiting for a music cue to try and get my adrenaline pumping and get me into the picture because, man, oh, man, this film 
it just has a terrible, 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 terrible pacing problem. You know, you know for a fact when you watch a film and the opening of the movie, you know, when the title of the film comes up, you know when that moment does not feel like it's in the right place. Immediately, you are under the assumption that this film is poorly edited. And Gold is a really terribly edited film for the type of story that they're trying to tell. And there's a lot of bizarre decisions with how this movie is composed. From the editing, to certain camera shots, to the soundtrack. The soundtrack is bizarre in this movie. It's set in the 80s, and it reminds you throughout, even though it doesn't explicitly like state with the title card what year we're in, there's cell phones, there's references to what year it is. Um, this movie actually ends about a month after I was born uh, in its timeline. But there are bizarre songs that just come out of nowhere that play for 30 seconds. There's a moment where Matthew McConaughey goes into Pet a Tiger that is themed that is played to a pixie song that has no relevance <laughs> to any emotion. I was sitting there thinking, like, this is a good song. Why are we playing this song during this movie? You know, here, case in point, that pixie song has been played in Zack and Mary Make a Porno. Watch that scene and listen to how that song plays with that scene. Watch the same sequence here. It serves no purpose other than I'm assuming Stephen Gagan or whoever created the soundtrack just really liked that song. Yeah. Um, the film is played way too seriously mm -hmm. as well. Like I was saying before, this film really needed to have more of that petting the tiger stuff and more um, just debauchery and a sense of overall uh, fun to it. That's where I got the War Dogs comparison. That's where I was thinking, God, this is an also-ran. Because as much as I hated War Dogs for its frat bro mentality... This kind of has that, only it's not fun because these are grown men, but it still has that attempt of being like Matthew McConaughey. I was saying that this is kind of a, an appropriate movie for the current political climate in comparison to Hell or High Water, where Hell or High Water, even though they call it the movie for Trump's America, you can still make the argument that it is trying to be inclusive to anyone who is working poor. This is Matthew McConaughey's character, and he repeats this constantly. I'm owed this. I deserve this gold. Why? Because my dad did this. You know, I worked in the mud. He has this very bizarre sense of entitlement that I think if it had been played like a Leo in Wolf of Wall Street would have made sense and you would have been able to have fun with it. Here, it just seems like white privilege, like he's this white guy who, damn it, he deserves success and he deserves to be a dick to people because he's making money. And I just did not find any sympathy, which is why in the third act, when everything turns to shit, I didn't feel bad for Matthew McConaughey at all. No, not at all. I felt more bad for the characters in The Founder, which bears a lot of uh, resemblance to this film, in that it's, you know, taking place in the business world, it's all about greed and success. And yet, I thought that was a better film than this overall. Uh, this film is just really, really, really misguided and a complete misfire all around. It, you know, going back to some of the supporting performances for a minute here, Edgar Ramirez, you're right, does probably the best job in the whole film. I would say it's a competent job because to me, 
I felt like he was kind of sleepwalking through the role because there really isn't much meat to the role. You know, you're talking a lot about the film that could be um, with his character. I completely agree with you. And I think he and almost everybody else in this movie, Bryce Dallas Howard, uh, Bruce Greenwood, I think they all like know it and they all are saying to themselves, Oh man, we wish we were in a better movie, but this is paying the bills. So yeah, I, I am a I'm an Edgar Ramirez fangirl, um, and I watched this, and I just kept thinking to myself, and I've seen pretty much every American movie he's made in his career, and I keep saying Carlos is such a great movie. If you've never seen Carlos, you need to go out, get the Criterion, oh and watch God. it. It is yes. a, a brilliant movie, miniseries, what have you. It's brilliant. He is so charismatic and so terrifying and so amazing to watch. And I just keep thinking, what is he doing that that doesn't translate into his other movies? Because he is not, like, capitalized on that, I, I think. Here, though, and it's why we get little bits of it throughout, there's glimmers, you know? Especially in that third act when you figure out his character's motivations. I was sitting there thinking, he could have been what this movie wants to be, this anti-hero that is kind of manipulative and interesting. And I think because we're not given a lot into his backstory, when that twist happens, I was super pissed because I was like, that would have given him the ability to project that charisma and that manipulativeness that I know he's played before that's really, really good to see. If anything, this movie is pretty much just his audition to play Michael Douglas's character in a remake of Romancing the Stone because, good lord, <laughs> he sells that whole, like, Indonesian chic with the shirt and the hat. Oh my god, it's, it's amazing. Um, if anything, I was wondering, like, when Bryce Dallas Howard's character was gonna take one look at him and be like, the fuck am I doing with Matt McConaughey's character? <laughs> Bye, I'm out, okay? Um, he does have a very suave, cool vibe yes. about him. There is no denying there's this. There's a, there's a scene where he's kind of giving this speech about about gold to this boardroom of people, which, again, if we're trying to create some ambiguity, there's a, a throwaway line that Toby Kebbell brings up asking if that conversation really happened. And I was like, that'd be great if we were supposed to believe that maybe this character isn't real. Like, you know, right. Wouldn't it be great if there was like that hidden twist in the film and it's like, oh, oh, man, the trailers didn't let on to this at all. That would have been exciting. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, he does a really great performance in that moment. And I think had the movie maybe played with some ambiguity because at the end, what happens to Matthew McConaughey's character is he wins. He gets everything he wants and you're supposed to. I don't really know. Support him? Feel he got away with something? I don't know because there's no sense of mystery to the the third act twist other than in Edgar Ramirez's character who essentially disappears in the third act. You know what this is essentially? Uh, this is, to sum it all up, this is a documentary uh, film. Yeah. Uh, this is a film that should be a documentary. This should not be a feature-length film. The only thing that warrants it being that is Matthew McConaughey because his performance is quote-unquote flashy, right? Both physically and also, uh, you know, just all the stuff that Matthew McConaughey does here is McConaughey-isms and everything else. The fake teeth, the wig, you know. Yeah, which I'm not understanding why people think that his performance in this, I've heard a couple people say that his performance is fantastic. It's fine. I think it's most, fine. I think most people are getting wrapped up in 
the fact that we know Matthew McConaughey is a good-looking guy who keeps his body trim, and he gets ugly for this movie. He's essentially Charlie's Theron in Monster. How brave it is that he gains some weight, and he's wearing tidy whities throughout this entire movie. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> it is brave, all right? He's putting risk, himself at risk for heart attack here, oh okay? Oh, my God. Oh, we said the same thing about Christian Bale, okay? Um, but hey, that man's had a risk for a heart attack every day with the amount of weight fluctuations that guy's had. I do I'm want. I do want to bring up Bryce Dallas Howard and and probably the thing that pissed me off the most about this movie briefly: the women. Sure. There's two female characters that have more than maybe five lines, and it's her and um, Rachel Taylor who shows up for about two scenes to get naked and uh, try to have sex with McConaughey in a hot tub. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's, that's it. This, uh, this has King of Queens logic where if you are a guy and you get like ugly and you're, st- you know, you have money, like you can still get hot chicks. Whereas Edgar Ramirez walks into a room and like women are like, Oh yeah. Hi, you look okay. Like I, that's, I was like, what alternate <laughs> reality are we living in that women are not throwing their panties at this man? Okay. Uh, it's Trump's reality. There is a reason it was raining <laughs> in Indonesia the entire time Edgar Ramirez was in it. Okay. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> but, but my issue with Bryce Dallas Howard is she looks, she plays a very stereotypical good girl. You know, she's stand, she stood by her man, and he treats her like garbage, you know. Um, she's supposed to be kind of the dumpy housewife. You know, she's gained weight for this role. We want to talk about Brave. Um, she's gained some weight. She looks like it's the 80s, you know, with the crimped hair and, and all of that. But there's a scene where Rachel Taylor shows up, and of course she's the svelte blonde with the big tits who's like, uh, you know, that's supposed to be the Betty and Veronica paradigm there, who throws herself at Matty McConaughey purely because he's got money. Um, And I don't know, I was just so frustrated by how little she plays. She's a secretary for most of the movie. She's either delivering drinks or she's answering the telephone. And there's one big scene where Matthew McConaughey just like verbally berates her. And then we cut to a scene where he goes to apologize and she's having this conversation that he thinks is flirtatious and he gets all ass heard about it. And then at the end, they effectively reconcile for reasons. I was just sitting there thinking, this is the most two-dimensional presentation of women. You have the sex pot and you have the good girl who wins by having her, her man at the end. I was just sitting there thinking, there's some sort of weird entitled reward factor here for Matthew McConaughey's character that just did not jive with me at all. I mean, Siriana, I don't think anybody left that movie saying that the women characters were, were great, but I vaguely remember them being better than this. Well, you know, you're, you're harping definitely on the woman factor here. I'm going to harp on a larger factor, and I'm going to sum it up very simply by saying this is just not a well-written movie. It's not. There is no major takeaway i walked out of this film and i remember and i said to myself okay what's the takeaway here and i ended up having very very little to chew on i thought matthew mcconaughey's performance was fine but the real honesty is that in oh i don't know say about 72 hours from now i'm probably going to forget about it (laughs) by the time i see some other movie that has now taken up my conscious uh space in my head so this is this is just a placeholder film for, for this week because, quite honestly, there really wasn't much that really came out. Um, 
yeah, I'm very, very disappointed. I was very, very disappointed. Because you know why I'm mostly disappointed? Because McConaughey is really trying. Then I feel bad for him. I, I, I genuinely do. I also feel bad for Bryce Dallas Howard. I feel bad for all these people in this cast. I like a majority of these people. Edgar Ramirez... I got the sense that he really wasn't trying. I really did feel like he just walked on set, looked pretty and mysterious. And that works for you. But for me, it just <laughs> seemed like he was sleepwalking through the role. So I think some of these people knew at a certain point what kind of a film this was. The person who I don't think ever knew what kind of a film this was is Stephen Gagan. And that's the most important factor of all. Kristen, final thoughts on the film. Great out of 10, Oscar potential. What did I take away from this movie? Edgar Ramirez is gorgeous. He needs to fire his agent. <laughs> he needs to fire his agent right now and pick better movies and stop playing second or third fiddle to whatever. Um, just cast him in a remake of Romancing the Stone. I know Hollywood has that in their back pocket right now. Do it. Um, no, honestly, I mean, that that's a very bare-bones summation. Um, I was never bored in terms of, like, checking my phone, but I kept saying... God, this movie's not good. God, this movie could be better. I feel like I could watch... Th this is something where if I get a copy, like, through Voodoo or something, I'll watch it when I need an Edgar Ramirez kick, and that's about it. Um, so I don't think it's a total waste of time, but you could easily wait for this to come to Redbox or Netflix or something. There's no reason to go see this in a the theater. Um... That's that's kind of it. I mean, I think the women are the women are written poorly. Mostly everybody's written poorly. This is a Matthew McConaughey <laughs> showcase. And his what he's showcasing is that he gained some weight. You know who gained weight for a role? Denzel Washington in Fences. That's a way better movie. Um, so overall, I, I think my final uh, grade for this is about a 5 out of 10. Whoa, really? I was expecting you to go much lower. The Edgar Ramirez the factor Edgar Ramirez must have really helped. Gets a, gets a point. Yeah, it gets a point. Have you not okay. looked at him? He is gorgeous. Come on, man. Tell me you're not seduced by that. <laughs> I am not seduced by that, but I will admit he's a good-looking cat. So uh, my thoughts on gold uh, is that this is very much like a metaphor for the film itself. It's shiny on the outside. It's got this flashy Matthew McConaughey performance that lures you in into thinking that you're going to get a good film, especially due to the film's trailer, which really had me intrigued. And then when you watch the film, much like the gold that they find in the movie, you find out that it is a fraud. And that is basically the best way to sum up my time with the movie gold overall. Look at you using metaphors. I'm going on about Edgar Ramirez. You're using like metaphors, making it sound all professional. God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is a two hour film that honestly felt like two and a half hours to me due to the film not having any sense of direction or uh, just really any kinetic en energy to it, both aesthetically and in the way that it's um, just edited together. I mean, oh my God, I was bored out of my mind. And then for the film to not even have a very interesting takeaway for me at the end just summed up what was just a purely terrible experience. So it's not the worst film I will see this year. In fact, I no, could see some all. people watching it and thinking that it's fine, but it still gets a very low grade from me. I'm giving it a 3 out of 10. And quite honestly, I was saying before, um, 
that there is a reference in this movie uh, to the title Fool's Gold, which is a ha-ha in joke because Matthew McConaughey had a really poorly received film called Fool's Gold. And I can tell you right now, when it comes to Oscar potential, this is Fool's Gold, essentially. It's got it written all over it. There is no Oscar potential for this film. That's why it got bumped from last year's theatrical release period to January. So, uh-uh, no way. Oh my gosh, this movie. Anyways, Kristen, where yes. can they find you on the internet? I am on Twitter at journeys underscore film. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much for listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on Google Play, TuneIn, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and Player FM. Feel free to leave us a review on iTunes. We would most certainly appreciate it, and we will see you all next time. something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details